All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's good to see you guys here. Thanks so much for being here. It's great to have some of our faith family here live. I want to welcome all of everybody else who's watching online. We know lots of you decided to stay home, and we're okay with that. Stay safe, make wise decisions. But come on, can we show some love for our online audience? Good to have you guys with us. And most of our faith family up in Lawrenceburg, come on, let's show them some love. It's good to have you guys in the house as well. Well, listen, before we jump into the message, I just want to take a minute. I want us to stand together. Come on, we're going to pray. Um, you may not agree with all of, the, uh, all of the personality of our president, and you may not agree with all of, all of his policies, but I'm thankful that um, at least he has the, the fortitude to recognize, man, that God has a place in what's happening in our culture and our world. And so not even really because he called it, but because we're people of faith, I think, man, we just ought to do what God called us to do and pray. He said, uh, be anxious for nothing. Basically, don't worry about it. Pray about it. And so that's what we're going to do. I want us to lift up a voice together. I want us to pray together. We're going to pray for a couple of things. I want us to pray for, obviously, those who are being impacted by this sickness, those who are impacted physically and financially. That's happening right here at home and around the world. I want us to pray medically. Uh, I want us to pray for those who are involved in take care, taking care of sick people. I want to believe God for uh, God to inspire um, a response and an answer. And I want to pray for God to do something great in us, to use us, to protect us. And so come on, let's lift up our voice. Father, we come in the name of Jesus, thankful. God, David said, you're a strong tower that we run into and we're found safe. That means that, God, we have a place to go in the chaos. And so, Father, I'm thankful in Jesus' name. Right now, Lord, we lift up, God, everything that's happening around this world. And Father, we just pray in Jesus' name. God, we pray for your intervention. We pray for your grace. We pray for your strength. We pray for your healing. Come on, y'all, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we pray that you're going to minister to every person. Father, those who have been impacted physically, God, with symptoms, we pray grace and healing. Father, we pray, God, financially, Lord, we pray, God, as global markets shake. Father, we declare you're still in control. Father, we declare that you are still our provider. And so, Lord, we pray, God, even uh, homes and families and small businesses right here, God, in our area that's being impacted. God, we pray your grace and your provision. Father, we pray, God, for all those who are serving in the medical field. Father, we pray, God, strength upon them. God, we pray a hedge of protection, God, as they minister uh, to the sick. We pray in Jesus' name, God, we pray that you're going to inspire them. Father, with creativity, Father, with revelation, how to address this concern. And Father, I pray for our church, God, that you would help us, God, to be a light in the darkness, that God, you would help us to be peace in the chaos, that God, you would give us opportunities to have conversations, to lead people to you, God, in the middle of their questions. So God, we pray, show up, and Father, we rely on you, we lean on you, we trust you because, God, you are always sovereign. And so, Father, we know you're going to use this. God, somehow, Father, if your word says that you work all things together for good. And so, Father, we don't like it. We don't understand it. But, God, we trust you're going to use it, Father God, to reach this world and, God, to grow our faith. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you for it. And everybody agrees that amen. amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord Jesus that we got a place to run to. Amen. You guys can be seated. So here we are. We are in week three of a series we started a couple weeks ago entitled On Time. This whole series is... On time. That's what we're talking about. Week one, we open up with this idea that the Apostle Paul pitches to us where he challenges us to redeem the time. And basically, it's this idea that we find throughout the Bible. David talked about it. Moses talked about it. Paul talked about it. James talked about it. And basically, it's this idea that, that we already knew that basically life is brief and, uh, and time matters. It's valuable. And so base. Basically, the challenge is for us is that as we live our minutes, we're to maximize moments. 
We shouldn't just let time pass by, but we should make sure that we're using it in a very intentional way to live life to the fullest, to have healthy families, to walk out our faith. Last week, we talked about the nick of time, that we found out that God is a God who's on time. And even though it doesn't always feel that way to us, and sometimes it doesn't look that way to us, that it's not about our calendar, it is about God's calendar. And so really, as we're waiting on God, right, it's, it's this trust game and it's a training game that God is using for us in the middle of his timing. Today, in week three, I want to talk about BTT. I want to talk about behind the times. Behind the times. Here's what behind the times means. It's this idea of being not aware or not using updated ideas, techniques, or technologies. Now, how many people here know somebody that's living maybe behind the times? Now, let's be honest, probably, especially the younger generation, it's easy to look at Older people be like, yeah, yeah they're, they're behind the times. Uh, just FYI, if you've always grown up in Alabama, we are here in this state that's behind the times. This is. Here's how you know that you're behind the times. Here's, here's just a couple ways maybe that reveal you're behind the time. If you're watching TV and you have to get up and walk to the TV because you don't have a remote, and then you only got three channels to select, come on, you're behind the times. If you decide to record your favorite show and you have to decide, do I record over my wedding VHS or my baby dedication VHS? Come on, some of you remember that. Come on, you're, you're behind the time. If you live in a home and some of you, anybody here remember back in the day when in every household there was a big dictionary, you can go look words up, and everybody, every family had a stack of huge uh, encyclopedias. Come on, listen. If you're looking for information in huge encyclopedias in your house, you just might be behind the times. Now, I, it's funny because I push back a little bit against the modern. I would all day, every day, rather hold a physical book than a digital book. Like, I'm, I'm out on Kindle. I'm all about real pages. Come on, is anybody with me? And the same thing, I, I, know, it's, I know it's in to, uh, to shop online, but I'm, I'm out. Like, I'm brick and mortar all day. This frame is funky, and I don't need to wait two weeks to get the next pair of pants to try, and I need to pitch them out to the sales clerk and have me bring me the next size, up or down, whatever's happened in that particular time in my life. Come on. But behind, everybody say BTT. Behind the times. Behind the times, did you know, not only are we living sometimes, again, behind the times in techniques and technologies and what's happening, but sometimes when you live behind the times, did you know living behind the times can hurt you? If you're trying to eat expired food, come on, have you ever sniffed it? It's like, ah, take a chance. Behind the time, they're behind the time medical techniques. They're behind the time. Think about this. Like, I'm not saying you can't smoke and go to heaven. I'm saying if you smoke, you might get there quicker. But if you're still smoking, you're like, it's a fact, you're behind the times. I grew up in an age where everybody smoked. Like, look, it felt like you drive down the road, you see a two-year-old kid on the side of the road, like, <laughs> like everybody smoked. But now it's dumb to smoke. It's warnings everywhere. It's common sense. If you smoke, you're you going you to die. You're going to get cancer. You're going to get emphysema. You're going to get some kind of lung disease. And so, like, I was driving around the other day with this in mind, looking for somebody. It took me probably 30 minutes to finally find somebody who was smoking. Why? Because smoking is this kind of a behind-the-time thing. Here's what I'm going to talk about today, though, is did you know you can be BTT in your relationship with God? You can be behind the times in your spiritual perspective, 
You can be behind the times in how you view your faith. You can be behind the times in your relationship with God. In fact, Jesus, when Jesus came, did you know that Jesus came to do something brand new? There was the Old Testament, the way that God was dealing with his people, the nation of Israel. And ultimately, this Jesus came, and Jesus didn't come to make it the Old Testament plus the New Testament. Jesus came and did away with the Old Testament and gave us a brand new, new covenant. Jesus came to do something new. It wasn't an addition. It wasn't 2.0. The new covenant that our relationship with God is based on what Jesus has done for us. That's a brand new operating system. Come on, somebody. It's all new. And the reason that's important to talk about is because from the very beginning 2,000 years ago when Jesus came and established the new covenant, for the last 2,000 years ago up to even people in this room, people keep on trying to push us back to be BTT in our relationship with God. There has always been from the very beginning of Jesus establishing the new covenant, this new way of living, this new way of having a relationship with God, of people constantly pointing us back and saying, you have to do it the old way. In fact, today we're going to go at a pretty quick clip through the book of Galatians. So I'm going to move pretty fast. You're probably going to need to listen to this message again. This message will be somewhat controversial. If it's not controversial, it's because you didn't listen. I'm just a fact. And uh, if, if it is controversial, blow on it and get over it because you're going to see it's biblical. And then you don't have a problem with me. You've got a problem with Jesus. So basically what we find is the Apostle Paul writes this book. It's called the book of Galatians because he writes it to this church, this group of people who are established in this area called Galatia. And he writes this book from this place of immense frustration. He's angry. He's aggravated. And the reason he's aggravated is because he's established this church. He's went and preached the gospel. He's went and told people, hey, God sent his son to be our savior. When you put your trust in him, he forgives you and you become his children, that we are all saved by grace through faith. We are saved. We're put in a right relationship with God simply by believing Jesus came and died for us. It's all by faith through grace. Come on, somebody. That's our whole relationship. And somebody came along and started telling a group, this group of people, no, BTT. You need to go back and do it the old way. And so he writes the book of Galatians out of this place of frustration to deal with the BTT. Now, to be clear, Christianity did ultimately begin as this Jewish messianic movement. Now, when I say that, ultimately, God always had this plan to rescue us. Always, always, always. God, you were never pursuing God. Come on, God's always been pursuing us. You didn't find God, God found you. I'm glad you are thankful for that. Come on. I know there's not a lot of us here, but I need some energy in the room. So what we find is, is that in the very beginning, God created everything, created everything perfect, created a perfect man, a perfect woman, put them in a perfect world and a perfect paradise, and they disobeyed God and sent it into creation, and they fell. Immediately, we find that God has a plan. Read it, Genesis 3.15. God has a plan to rescue humanity. And you move from paradise, you move to this person by the name of Abram. Ultimately, God introduces himself to this person named Abram, tells Abram, Abram, I'm going to make a nation out of you, which means you're going to have kids, and your kids are going to have kids, and your kids are going to have kids, 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 and like there's going to be a whole lot of you. And God was saying, the way I interact with you people, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, is going to be a way 
a picture to the rest of the world of how I want to operate, how I want to have a relationship with you. You're going to be an example to the world of how much I love you and how I bless you and how I provide for you. And so ultimately, we find that Abraham does exactly that. He has all these kids, and they end up in bondage in the land of Egypt. And God sends Moses to be a rescuer. Moses comes in and delivers them. And then you find in the book of Exodus that Moses finds himself on top of this mountain called Mount Sinai. And while he's up there, he's up there, and some of you know the story, God is speaking to him face to face and giving Moses the law. And some of us, we hear the law, we think the Ten Commandments, but God didn't give him Ten Commandments. God really gave him 613 commandments because that's how many laws there are in the law. 613 ceremonial laws. 613 dietary laws. 613. It's all these ways that God was saying, my people need to follow these laws and live by these rules. But you see, in, in Moses, he comes down with these 613 laws. What was, the pers- what was the reason? What was the purpose for the laws? Some of you might think, well, it was God trying to tell people how they should live. The purpose of the law was never to make people lawful. The purpose of the law was to show people their lawless. The whole purpose of the law was saying, God was like, I need you to do these, I just need you to do these 10 things. And we couldn't even do that. And so the purpose of the law wasn't to make us lawful, but was to show us we were lawless. And then once we realized we couldn't keep the law, we couldn't fix ourselves, it would make us dependent on somebody who could help us. That was the per- in, case in point. The first two, command- first two, of, the two th- of the top 10 commandments, come on, worship, worship God and him alone and have no idols. Here comes Moses walking down the mountain. And y'all know you got the Sunday school picture, like he's got the big two tablets. And he gets down to the bottom of the mountain. What does he find? The entire nation of Israel worshiping a false idol that they made while he was on the mountain. The purpose of the law was never to make us lawful. It was to show us that we were lawless. But here's the good news. The law, when you hear the word law, it's, it's, it's not just a list of laws. It's a story. The five books of the Old Testament, the first five books were known to the Jewish nation as the Torah. Everybody say Torah. That was the law. And so the law wasn't just a list. The law was a story. And the purpose of the law, the purpose of the story was to show us that we are lawbreakers, but God is always pursuing us. And then what you find in it is the culmination of the story. The culmination of the story is even though we are lawless, God promised that he was going to send a prophet of prophets. God was going to send a Messiah. God was going to send a king that came from the line of David. God was going to send a suffering servant who would die in our place. And his names are a plenitude, but he's going to be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so the culmination of the story was that Jesus came And Jesus lived the life we could never live, and he died the death we should have died. He lived our life, and he died our death, ultimately so we could find grace and forgiveness and a reconnection with our creator because of what Jesus did for us. So that's the good news. And so this message, even though it started in a messianic movement, this message was always global. Even though the gospel incubated inside of the Jewish nation, it culminated in Christ, and Jesus' message wasn't just for Jewish people, it was for all people. And so people started going around preaching the gospel and telling the good news that Jesus, the Savior, came, he died for our sins, 
He came to rescue us. He came to reconnect us with our creator. And if you'll put your faith in him, he'll give you the gift of grace and you'll be right with God. And so Paul started preaching this message. And because this message was for all people in the first century, tens of thousands of people started becoming Christ followers. They started putting their faith in that message. And not just Jewish people, but non-Jewish people. The word is Gentiles. So Jews and Gentiles alike. In fact, by the time Paul starts his ministry, by the time he becomes a preacher of this gospel, this good news, there's probably more Gentiles who are Christ followers than Jews. Now, real quick point. This is important. Paul himself was a law keeper. He was Jewish. In fact, he was like, I ain't like the rest of you average law keepers. He called himself a Jew of Jews. He was like, if anybody keeps the law, I do. If anybody tries to do it right, it's I do. If anybody is trying to be perfect by the law, it's me. And he recognized the good. So he goes about preaching the good news, telling that part of the world that grace and eternal life is found in Jesus and what he's done for us, never in what we can do for ourselves. Are we good? Then he goes to this church. He establishes church in Galatia. All these people put their faith in Jesus. It becomes this little group of people, this church, who are living life together, who are learning together, who are growing together. And then Paul leaves because that's what he does. He travels from he's church to church to church, preaching and encouraging. Well, when he leaves, this group of people come in behind him called the Judaizers. And what the Judaizers did was they were, they were Jews. They grew up Jewish. They grew up in the law, grew up keeping the law. And then they put their trust in Jesus too. But they thought it was always the Old Testament plus the New Testament. And so they started telling all of these new Christians, no, 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 you, you just don't get in just like that. If you want to be in good with God, you got to keep the law we've been trying to keep. And so they started preaching to these, this new group of believers, you got to be circumcised. Come on, fellas. Do you love Jesus enough to have surgery? That's what I'm saying. You got to be circumcised. You got to keep the special feast. You got to make the sacrifices. And Paul hears this. And he hears this group of Judaizers trying to take these people who've put their trust in Jesus and trying to put them back under the law. And he is, he's angry. He's irate. And so he writes the letter. He texts the letter, the book of Galatians, in response to what he calls this new gospel. You're believing a new God. You're believing a different gospel. And he's irate that people, his people, his church, this church he's established, is being told that they got to go back to keep the law to make God happy. Now, real quick, if you're taking notes, so Judaizers believe that if you wanted to become a Christian, you first had to become a Jew. You can't just become a Christian. You got to become a Jew first. You got to get circumcised. You got to keep the law. So they, again, they thought it was Old Testament plus New Testament. No, no, no. Jesus came New Testament instead of Old Testament. And he jumps in, so he writes the book of Galatians, and he jumps in. And the whole thing is this. If you're taking notes, here's the one thing I want you to hear. Jesus wasn't, Jesus isn't the capstone. He's the cornerstone. He wasn't the culmination of the Old Testament. He was the beginning of something brand new. A cornerstone is something you build on. A capstone is kind of the completion. So Jesus wasn't the end of the Old Testament. He started something brand new. Our faith our relationship with God, our connection with our Heavenly Father, where we spend eternity, it's all built on who Jesus is and what he's done for us, not what we've done and what we do for ourselves. Come on, y'all. It's all the gift of grace. So here we go. So Paul, he hears about the Judaizers. He wants to teach his church. He wants to tell the new believers. He wants to instruct new Christ followers. Listen, 
They're trying to get you to live B-T-T. They're trying to get you to live behind the times in your relationship with God. And so he gives them this letter. Chapter 1, you can read it on your own, but basically he recasts what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, that Jesus died to carry the sin of the world. He gets to Galatians chapter 2, and he says this to this group of believers that are struggling with the law or grace. He says, yet we know, everybody here read this, yet we know that a person is made right with God in Christ, in Jesus Christ, come on, how? Not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because, come on, not because we've obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. He's saying, like, for, for, for 1,500 years, people were thinking, I'm going to be made right with God if I'll just keep the law, if I'll just do enough, if I'll be meticulous enough, if I'll, if I'll make all the right dates and read all the right stuff and memorize all. Like the, he says, no, 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 nobody, nobody's ever been made right. You will never be made right with God by being a good person. Right. Newsflash. You can't be good enough and I can't be good enough the way we are made right with God, the way we are made righteous, other translations use not this phrase made right. Other translations use the word justified. The way we're justified, the way we're seen is that we've, is just if I've never sinned, is by faith in Jesus. Come on, that's how we're made right. And so you got to ask yourself a question right here. Are you, are you pinning your relationship with God based on how good you are? or on how good God has been? Are you determining your relationship with God based on what you've done or based on what Jesus has done for you? Are you doing it based on the law or are you doing it based on grace? And so he's wrestling through and he's, he's writing, he's saying like, people are trying to take you back under the law. Don't let them do it. At which point he, said, he addresses the question, well, what's the point of the law? Like were all these Jewish people supposed to just chuck what centuries, centuries of tradition had taught them? And so Paul answers the question. The whole point of the law is this, Galatians 3.19. Why then was the law given? Come on, I need you all to read this with me. Come on, hey. Why was the law given? It was given alongside of the promise to show people. The purpose of the law, again, was to show us we're sinners. Anybody here, anybody here, have you ever been driving down the road? You can help me with this because this is me on the regular. Has anybody here, have you ever been driving down the road and you think you might be speeding, but you don't know if you're speeding because you've not seen a speed limit sign for some time? Come on. And you're already building the case in your mind like, when that cop pulls me over, I'm going to tell him it's been like eight miles since I've seen these. Like you already got your whole case built. And then you pass a speed limit sign. What do you find out? I've been speeding the whole time. Now, let me ask you a question. If a cop pulled you over before you saw the sign, would you have got a ticket? Heck to the Yes. You knew you deserved the ticket when you saw the speed limit sign. The purpose, of the, the purpose of the law, again, isn't to make us lawful. It's to show us we're lawbreakers. And that's what he says. The purpose of the law was never to make you right with God. The purpose of the law wasn't to make you okay with God because you were a good person by keeping the laws. The whole purpose of the law, the whole purpose of the list was to show us that we're sinners. And so he's like, so here's the deal. He's like, here's what, if you decide to listen to these Judaizers that's trying to get you to live BTT, here's what's at stake. So if you're here, I got to, let me just, this may not feel controversial, but I promise you it's because you ain't hearing it right. 
If you're here and you came up in a church that tried to get you to live BTT, are you dressing right? Is your skirt not long enough? Is your hair okay? Do you got too much makeup on? Did you, did you carry the right translation in? Did you sound right? Or did you get the language right yet? Listen to me. He's trying to say as people trying to get you back under the law, don't let them lead you there because they're going to end up in a not good place. In fact, he says, here's, here's where it ends up. Galatians 4, he says, before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of the world? You're trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons, years. He's saying those are the laws. Like you're trying to keep the feast and show up for the, at a certain time and do the right. He's saying, no, no, no. And he says, if you're trying to do that, watch these next four words. Verse 11, I fear for you. You know, when he's talking about this idea that you're becoming slaves, here's what he means. Because when you're trying to serve God out of how good you are, it comes with you're a slave to fear and you're a slave to ritual. A slave to fear, you walk around wondering, is God mad at me? Did I mess up? Are we okay, God? Oh, I better not go to church. The roof might cave in. Come on, I'm telling you, listen, what I'm, t- I'm trying to, like, it's funny, but that's where that thinking comes from. If I go to church, the church is going to fall in because I didn't keep enough of the rules. And so people walk around in faith. I hope I, hope I don't die right now. I don't know if everything's okay. And so then once you're a, fear, once you're a, once you're a, a servant of fear, a slave, then you become a slave to ritual. We better show up, and I better get there on time, and I, I better put in the right amount. I better put the right amount of money in the plate, and I better serve the right, and I, my, I better get it all right. Because if I don't get the ritual right, then I, God's going to be mad at me. And Paul says, that's how you used to live before Jesus came. And if you say you want to go back to the law, you're going right back to become a slave. Because you're going to act, if you're going to live by the law, if you're going to go back based on how good you've been, then you're going to pretend, number one, you've got you to pretend that Jesus didn't even die for you. And if Jesus didn't die for you, then it's up to you to figure out how you become righteous. And if it's up to you to earn your own righteousness, now you're living outside of God's forgiveness. So he says, I, I fear, for, I fear, for, if you're going to go back under the law, that's a bad place to be. Because it's like, we already know how that ended. Because that's, that's why Jesus came to do something brand new. And so he says all that. We just skimmed through the first four chapters and he gets to the crescendo, which is Galatians chapter five. And by the time he gets here, I picture like there's smoke pouring out of his ears. He's like, I can't believe these false teachers have come in and lied to God's people and they're trying to take them back into bondage to fear, back into bondage of sin when Jesus died to set them free. And so he gets to Galatians 5. Are you all ready? Just, yeah. And he says this. So Christ, watch this. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you... Stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel free in your relationship with God? If you don't feel free, you ain't doing it right. And if somebody, he says, so Jesus came to set you free, live free, and don't let anybody compromise your freedom. And he says this, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision, i.e. the law, i.e. how good you are at being good, how good you are at keeping the list of laws. If you're counting on your circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be no benefit for you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, by keeping the law, 
you must obey every regulation in the law of Moses. Here's what he's saying is, he's saying, you got to pick a side. Either you're going to live with this mindset under the law means it's up to me to be good enough to get God to like me. And then you got to be all in because that's what the law said. Here's the list of 613, keep them all. And that's, you're either all in or you're not in at all. I'm either all in on, on the law or I'm not in at all, which means I'm all in on Jesus. You got to pick, am I going to live based on what Jesus has done for me or am I going to live my life based on what I can do for me? And I'm telling you, all of us in this room, come on, watching online, all of us wrestle with at some time, condemnation. You know where condemnation comes from? Am I keeping the law? Is God mad at me? Somehow we start putting ourselves or religious or you were raised in a denomination. Come on. Yeah, I'm picking on some churches, not by name. There are some churches where pastors pointed their bony finger at you and said, you didn't keep the list. You didn't keep the law. You didn't do it the way you're supposed to. So God's mad at you. And so you went to church trying to get out of it, but then you was upset because you was there because you were told how bad you are. And Paul says, people keep trying to put you back underneath of that. Don't allow people to put you back underneath the slavery of the law. Jesus came to make you free, stay free, live free. And so you got to make a decision. What are you all in on? I'm all in on the law or I'm all in on grace. He's not done yet. Watch this. Verse 4, he just keeps amping it up. He says, for if you're trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, I want every voice here to read this. You have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. See, here's what, he's, here's what he's saying. And is anybody in here, anybody like you have friends or family members that at some point just wanted to do something really nice for you and you knew it was expensive and it was such, an, such a, like an elaborate gift, you felt bad taking it so you wanted to try to pay for it? You're like, well, let me give you something on it. You know, like you go to dinner. You ever go to dinner with a, like another couple and you already know going into it like it's too, like we're going to pay for ours and you pay for yours. And you, like, it's a nice restaurant, and you show up, and it's such a nice night, you even get the $12 piece of cheesecake. Come on. <laughs> and when the waiter or waitress comes, they're like, well, how do we split the bill? And you're like, two and two. And then somebody's like, no, no, I, I just want to get this for you. Let me get you dinner. Uh, you're like, man, this is too much. No, at least, let, come on, at least let me pay half. No, no, I want to get this for you. And what do we do? Well, at least let me get the tip. That's right. yeah. Come on. If you're, paying, if you're paying anything on it, it's not a gift anymore. It's a discount. And Jesus came to give us the gift of grace. You can't buy it. And here's what you need to know. You can't afford your own righteousness and God's isn't for sale. We're not good enough to buy our own. None of us in this room, nobody watching online, nobody ever in the point of history has ever been good enough. Because remember what Paul said, nobody's ever made right by the law. Nobody's ever been good enough to earn God's favor. But he gives it as a free gift at the expense of his son, Jesus, and we access it by faith. And so he says, you choose. And when you try to pay, as soon as you try to buy grace, it's no longer, for, it's, it, you can't buy it. As soon as you try to pay for grace, it can no longer be accessed because it's a gift. So he's saying, you, you got to decide. Do you want the free gift or you want to try to earn it? Well, nobody can earn it, but if you want to try, you're just going to put yourself back underneath slavery again. And so he goes through and keeps rolling. Verse 7 he says this. He says, you are running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he's the one who called you to freedom. I, I can, you and I, we can only relate 
on so many levels, and some of you, you can relate with this, and some of you, some of you grew up in church, and like, you just have always heard about Jesus, and you've always known that he's loved you, and, and I think that's incredible. I didn't grow up that way. I didn't grow up knowing the Bible, grow up knowing Jesus, grow up going to church. So when I found out that there was the God of all creation who gave a rip about me, didn't just give a rip about me, but he loved me, and didn't just love me, but he loved me enough that he sent his son to die for me. When I found that out, I was crying and slobbering, and I was ugly crying, snotting, and I walked out like, God loves me, like, because I had made a lot of bad decisions, and I had hurt some people, and I had compromised morals, and I had violated ethical boundaries, and I had done horrible things to myself, and horrible, and when I found, there was no question at that point in my life, there's no question I was not good enough to ever even get God to look my way, so the fact that he was looking my way was only by a gift. It was only by his grace. I knew I couldn't earn it, but there's this thing every now and then we start thinking, maybe, maybe I can earn it. Maybe I still need to earn it, and here's what Paul, the apostle Paul's saying. Paul's saying, listen, you started running your race so well. You knew in the beginning it was all God and not you. Why are you starting to think it's you now? And then he says, he says in this next verse, watch this. He says, it certainly isn't God. If you're starting to think it's up to you to get God to love you, you, he's saying, listen, that feeling's not coming from God because it's never come from God. In verse 9, this false teaching, this buying into going back under the law, keeping the list of rules, this false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. See, all of us at one point in our spiritual journey, in fact, it's probably one of the most asked questions is we start, you know, we're not perfect. And so we fumble and we fall and we struggle. And when we do, we start to question, does God still love me? That's the, that's, at that moment, you got to choose grace over the law. Right. But when you start choosing the law, well, maybe if I do a little more. Maybe if I just love people more. Maybe if I read. I'm just gonna, I'm, I know what I need to do. I just need to pray. And if I pray more. Isn't it funny? Because here's, here's the wicked cycle. We feel bad praying because we we've already lived so bad. God don't want to hear from us anyways. But I guess I should pray to get God to like me more, but I feel bad praying because he already don't like me. Come on. That's, that's from the end. That's not God. There's freedom. And so we all sometimes slip into condemnation. But when you slip into condemnation, once you let that little bit of yeast in, you got to deal with it and say, I'm not all in on the law. I'm all in in grace. Because if you allow that yeast in you, it'll take over and you'll get back under the law. And you'll start thinking it's all about how good you are, how good you've been, what laws you've kept. Verse 12, never thought you'd go through a whole book in one church. <laughs> Verse 12, this is, this is Paul's, I love this. You know, sometimes we think people who, who lived in the first century, some of the first believers like, oh, like they're perfect, they floated. Listen, this is Paul. Paul is so mad that this group of Judaizers is trying to get God's people to be BTT. This is what he says. I just wish those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. What? I, I can hear him writing and like, when he finished writing, he's like, uh, take that. <laughs> Basically, he's like, listen, don't be cutting up on gospel. You want to cut up on somebody, just keep cutting on yourself. If you think that's going to help you out, then cut away. Verse 13. Here's, here's the, in the crescendo chapter, here's the crescendo verse, here's the verse, here's the point of the entire book of Galatians. One sentence. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. You've been called by God. 
to live in freedom. Well, what do you mean live in freedom? That means you're not subject to the law. You're not subject to a list of do's and don'ts. You're not trying to figure out, did I get the rule book right? Did I say it the right way? Did I do it the right way? Now, I'm not talking about God. I'm talking about man's law. Because unfortunately, man has added all kinds of law. Churches has added, even, you know, you got to get baptized and it's got to be this way at this angle and this temperature water. And you got to say, if you don't do it this way, this time at this, come on, stop it. We're not, under, we're not under the law. We're under grace. At least I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. Make the choice. Stop allowing yourself to be put under the law and stop putting other people under the law. This is what's keeping people from coming to Christ is our list of rules. He goes on. He says this. He says, but don't use your freedom. We are free. We're not following a list of rules. We're in grace. We're not trying to earn it. It's a gift. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Basically, with this new freedom comes a new focus. This is so powerful, these next couple verses. With the new freedom comes a new focus. Now the focus isn't, God, are we okay? This is so important because now we know we're okay, right? Jesus died for me. I'm accepted in Christ. I'm I'm the beloved of Christ. I belong to him. I'm his child. So now my focus isn't this way. Now my focus is this way. Not are we okay are we okay? He says it. Watch. Verse 14. For the whole law. I've got a couple more verses. I want you all to keep reading with me. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbors yourself. He says, you don't need 613. Amen. You don't even need 10. He says, remember Jesus said, he's Paul saying, you don't even need two. You only need one. Love your neighbors yourself. He's not saying don't love God. Hear me. And I'm not saying don't go to church or don't give, but that's not how you get God to love you. That comes from the fact that you know God loves you. I'm not forced to obey God. I'm, I'm honored to walk in honor to God. God, I'm thankful what you've done for me. I want to serve you out of what you've done for me. And so I've been given freedom. I'm not subject to the law. I'm not subject to a list. I don't have to walk in condemnation. We don't have to wonder, God, are you mad at me? Are we good? Are we not good? Come on, you're not dating your seventh grade girlfriend. He's good with you. So Jesus is less complicated, but he's more demanding. Not 613, not 10, not 2. He's far less complicated, but he's more demanding. You know how when I say he's more demanding? Because when he says, I want you to love other people, he clarifies what that love looks like. He sacrificed his life for us. So it's funny is a lot of church people, we're far more concerned about is what we're doing hurting God, and we don't give a rip that what we're doing hurts other people. And Paul's like, no, you got this all wrong. This is good. And if this is good, it should start working into this being good. Thanks, Pastor. Go ahead. If Jesus died for you, he's for you. Let that sink in. You all need to write that down, hang it on a mirror somewhere. If Jesus died for you, he's for you. Wow, is God, are we okay? I'm for you. Well, how do I know? Because I died for you. And so that, that's not the sticking point. The sticking point is that we are saved by grace through faith, by what Jesus did for us, never by what we do for ourselves, never, ever. It's crazy as a pastor how often I hear people still say, today after preaching this message, I had people come to me and say these words, Pastor, I'm not perfect, but I'm really trying. No! Because when you feel like you're really trying, you know what the answer is? I'm not trying hard enough. I better try harder. 
I better work harder. I better do a little more because if I just do enough, God will be okay. No. Jesus came to set you free, so live free. So I'm not trying anymore because it's all, I'm, I'm not going to try to do something that's already been done. It's done. Jesus said it's finished. Now, here's, here's, here, so the controversial part is this. If you're here and you're under rules, get out from underneath of them. And if you're here putting other people underneath your rules, your interpretation, your church background, your upbringing, stop it because you're taking people back into bondage and Jesus came to set them free. And for all the other church people, they're like, you're telling us we don't need no rules? People just live however they want. So I guess you're just telling people just do whatever they want. Everybody, everybody's going to heaven. You just want to No, 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 no. I'm not telling you there's no standards. I'm telling them you're not the standard. So how will people live? Here's a question. So try to leave some of you with some kind of like, you don't think I'm not saved. So how will people live without the law? So if the law is supposed to like, no, no, we're not under law. So how do we live as people? You tell them we can do whatever we want? No. Watch this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Basically, Paul just gave some of you a pink slip. You ain't got a job no more. It's no longer your job to tell everybody else how they ought to live and what rules they ought to keep. If you're a Christ follower, if you genuinely have put your faith in Jesus, the moment that happened, the Holy Spirit came to live in the inside of you. And when the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you, he'll lead your life. He'll lead you to, to make right decisions and make decisions that honor God. He'll lead you to love people and to help people and to do things that honor the Father. God will lead you to be a giver. God will lead you in generosity. God will lead you to serve people and get on a serve team. Not because you have to serve to get God to love you, but because God loves you, I'm going to serve. I don't give to get God to love me. I'm going to give because God loves me. And I want other people to experience what I've experienced. See what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, we're just led by the Spirit. As the Holy Spirit leads me, I want you to, tell, I want you to know this as your pastor. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit's leading me to do something, sometimes I say, no, I'm not doing that. I don't want to be rebellious, but I'm like, that's scary. I don't know if I can do that. Or Honestly, I don't think I ever tell him no. Sometimes I do. I, I can't say that. I'll tell him later. I'll do that later. I'll call them later. I'll write them later. I'll help them later. So what my point is, I still don't obey God, but my, this is, listen, your battle isn't tied to your victory. Your level of obedience is not tied to your level of acceptance. I'm not, I'm saying you're still going to battle what's right, what's wrong. Am I, I'm saying the battles, but the victory's already done in Jesus. You're still going to, there's days you're going to be killing it. You're going to be honoring God and you're going to be loving people. There's going to be days you're going to be fumbling and stumbling and missing the mark, but your level of obedience has nothing to do with your level of acceptance. You are 100% accepted 100% of the time because of what Jesus did. So he says this, and we're going to take communion. Ready for the last verse? We went through a whole book. And so basically, listen, people came, tried to get you to live BTT, tried to put you back under the law. Don't put yourself under the law. You put yourself under the law, you lose everything. You cut yourself off from grace. So live under grace. Live free. And once you live free, it's not about a list. It's about a person living on the inside of you. Yield to him. Surrender to him. And he'll use your life to do great things. And then Paul says this. Watch. So from now on, don't let anybody trouble you with these things. So next time someone comes, well, you ain't doing it right. All right. You ain't bothering me. 
Bye. Bye, Felicia. Some of you need to get Galatians 6.17 on your forehead, right? Galatians 6.17, I'm not troubled by you anymore. Next time the devil comes and says, you ain't doing enough, you ain't doing it right, Galatians, I'm not going to let you trouble me. Why? I'm under grace. I'm all in here, and I'm all out over there. Grace.